Welcome to Fintech Insider Interviews, coming from Fintech Connect 2019 in London. I'm Laura Watkins, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Costa Peric, uh, Deputy Director of Financial Services for the Poor at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Hello, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us. With pleasure. How are you doing? Pretty good, and I'm happy to be back on Fintech Insider. Absolutely. We were just discussing you were back on one of the first ever episodes. So <laughs> three years later, we have you back. Yeah. <laughs> With pleasure. Absolutely. So for those unfamiliar, could you quickly explain uh, what the, the Gates Foundation does overall and particularly your Department of Financial Services for the poor? Yes. At the, at the Gates Foundation, we believe that every person should be able to have a healthy and productive life. And so uh, we have a number of strategies focused on the poor, mm -hmm. the poorest uh, in the world who are defined by the World Bank as living on less than $2 a day. And uh, we focus mostly on Africa and South Asia, but also in uh, the United States. Uh, most, many of the strategies are focused on health, uh, for the healthy part, mm -hmm. but I'm part of the uh, foundation where we uh, focus on the productive parts of uh, household life, like agriculture, water sanitation, gender equality, and financial, financial inclusion. Services. Oh, interesting. So why is that, that the Gates Foundation uh, focus predominantly on health, but also pivot towards financial services? Because when you look at the poor household or poor people, uh, it's a, uh, get them out of poverty, help them get out of poverty oh. is a combination of elements. Obviously, if you are not healthy, or if your, if your childs are stunted, they will not be able to live a productive life. But also, and uh, getting us to our subject, if you don't have access to an adequate financial service, uh, well, that's a big issue uh, because you, you as a person or as a household, you will lose a lot of time dealing with money issues. So how does the Gates Foundation go about doing that, in, in particularly the poorer areas in the world? Yes, so, uh, what we have observed um, it, 10 years ago, the first innovation uh, really came out of Africa. That's called mobile money, mm -hmm. illustrated, of course, by, by M-Pesa in Kenya. But today there is um, more than 200 such operations in sub-Saharan Africa. So they have proven, one, that the service they provide is actually useful mm -hmm. for the poor so that they don't have to travel, for example, to uh, uh, give money to a household member. They don't have to travel to pay for school fees, uh, so uh, on, on the one hand. At the second time, they have proven that it can be actually profitable uh, for a company to serve this population. So today, what we are really focused on is how to accelerate this movement. And the acceleration is done really through interoperability of all of these services. Uh, and not only between themselves, but also between mobile money services and um, uh, the traditional banking system. Ultimately, the goal is to cover all of Africa with a platform where people can instantaneously send money from Morocco to Kenya very cheaply and in real time. 
And is, is mobile and sort of telecom the way to do that? Do you think? Yes. Yeah. Obviously, one of the reasons why there is 1.7 billion people still unbanked today, I hate the word unbanked, but that's reality. Uh, in fact, 425 million African adults are unbanked. Um, and one of the barriers uh, to reach them was to the reach. They are out of reach of mm -hmm. ATM branches and traditional methods. But the mobile phone, they have a mobile phone. Uh, in fact, mobile phone penetration Afri in Africa has been exploding and, and leapfrogging other mm -hmm. technologies. And the mobile phone is an adequate and adapted instrument for these people this population. Uh, the, the use of leapfrogging there is interesting. So we, we've talked about yeah. this a lot on, on this show more generally. Um, yeah, so it's the way to get people yes. online, even if they, they didn't do it through usual like laptops exactly. and, and the stages prior yeah. to smartphones. And we can now see, see how the payments systems, they are leapfrogging because right now in, in Africa, you can send money um, to someone just knowing their phone number, like an SMS. You can't do that here, right? No, they're, they're ahead of us in, in that respect. Um, on that note, so uh, Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter and, and Square, he recently announced that he's moving to Africa for a few months as the continent yeah. will, in his words, define the future. Um, do you agree with that in terms oh, of financial services? I was very pleased to see that. Yeah? <laughs> because Africa is a, is a continent it's 54 countries, many regions, it's a culture, and it's very difficult to understand how to serve and operate in this culture if you don't know it. And uh, myself, I've spent my teenage years in Africa, in Burundi, so I'm kind of like, I feel African a bit, but if you are not there on the ground, you will never understand how this works and what are the needs. And just to give you an example, one of the successful services in Eastern Africa that's been enabled by mobile money is pay-as-you-go solar. So people can uh, effectively lease a solar battery, which is a very precious and expensive asset. So for a household in Kenya to buy a solar battery would be like buying a car mm -hmm. uh, and so it was impossible for them to buy and uh, there, uh, some companies have introduced this pay-as-you-go solar service you have the battery you pay it back every day with small amounts and you have electricity if you miss out a couple days eventually it'll shut down but you can restart it with the next payment and that really reflects how, what the households need and how they live uh, because they actually live a complicated financial life uh, made of many, many very small amount transactions because that's what they have right there. So. Yeah, interesting. Um, what were you doing in Burundi out of interest? I, my father worked for the United Nations, so oh, when okay. I, I went there following him and uh, spent all my teenage years there in, in Africa, learned French nice. in this case and some of Swahili and then eventually went to college in Europe. Oh wow. Do you think um, 
it's unfair to categorize Africa as a whole? Should we be talking about the individual countries within it? Yeah, so Africa is a mosaic. Uh, and uh, some people uh, look at, for example, China and India, which have been successful, hugely successful in financial inclusion so far, uh, trying to replicate models. But Africa is 54 countries. Uh, Africa is also a number of regions, like, for example, uh, we are active uh, assisting the Central Bank of the Western African Economic and Monetary Union, which is eight countries in Western Africa that share the same currency and the same uh, Central Bank. And so we are active there, helping the Central Bank provide a digital payment platform that interconnects all of the service providers, be it mobile money or other, in the region. Same, another example of a region is SADC, Southern African Development Community, a number of countries mostly in Southern Africa. There is Eastern African Community. Uh, so Africa is a mosaic of countries and regions and unions. and. Uh, in fact, we've been assisting countries, like Tanzania is uh, deploying as we speak uh, a digital payment platform, real-time platform for the country. Oh wow, we right are, now? Right now, oh. they are, we are assisting them in many ways, including the fact that they use Mojaloop, the open source software uh, that uh, we've uh, helped to develop. And so, we assist on a country level, on a regional level, ultimately on a pan-African level. But then, to your point earlier, like knowledge of the, the continent as a whole and drill down into the individual regions yes. and countries is so, so important. Yes, you need to be able to go down to the country or region and then go, go up and move from, from, from these uh, spaces. Yeah. So you, you mentioned Mojaloop there. Yes. Um, the open source banking code projects. Um, could you tell us a bit more about that and how it's being used to help improve financial services? Yes. As we went along in uh, helping deploy these digital payment platforms, we noticed that one of the barriers was that there was a, it's actually relatively complicated and a skilled endeavor to, to run, to uh, deploy and build and run a platform like that uh, and and skills are scarce in Africa so one of the reasons we've done this is to overcome that barrier so we've commissioned a number of um, um, you know bleeding edge companies to develop a uh, software for interoperability in real time and we've put it in very much in the spirit of the Gates Foundation. We've put it as a global and free asset in open source. It's available on GitHub oh, for wow. people who have, want to have a look. They can go on mojaloop.io uh, and they can jump into the codes. Wow, anyone want. can do that on GitHub. Anyone can do that. And, uh, and, so, and we've seen take up of Mojaloop, I mentioned in the project in Tanzania. There is another project more on a pan-African level that's called Mowali, a joint venture of Orange and MTN. Uh, they want to make all of their operations interoperable across the countries and they've, they've chosen to use Mojaloo. They are actually live in test 
I mean, testing right now in Western Africa. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. What's, what's your kind of timeline of go live on that, do you know? Uh, they, will, they will go gradually live because they have many regions and countries. They are already active in Western Africa and they, I think, will go across Africa soon. Tanzania will go live next June. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, it's exciting. It is exciting. Yes. Um, so within Africa, Nigeria, Kenya and Ethiopia, as well as Tanzania, are also cited as kind of continent leaders when it yes. comes to tech. Can you tell us more about that? What are some sort of success yes. stories we can point to? So indeed, uh, the other uh, kind of thing happening in the background is indeed, I think, the emergence of the African fintech scene, uh, driven by, indeed, in Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa, we can see that um, there is, uh, this is fueled partly by new venture capital flowing into Africa, so that's great. Mm -hmm. And we can see fintech in general being happening. Now, uh, fintech only will not solve the financial inclusion problem, of course. Uh, what is needed is also a proper regulation in a country or a region, which is not something that is necessarily easy. And in the African mosaic, there is a lot of different regulatory spaces. So uh, uh, that's, I think, something that we work on intensively. Um, and then also, uh, what I find really exciting as these payment platforms become available is the innovation on top, like the pay-as-you-go solar yeah. apps, uh, transportation apps. That so is, the value-added services on Exactly. Top. That's going to be hugely important, and we can see that starting to happen. Oh, that's amazing. Like all the things that a good financial service uh, base can yes. grow into. Yes. So we'll see many more kind of like the Ubers of Africa be active soon. So you were talking about uh, VC investment in Africa and, and sort of fintech growing as a whole. Where is that coming from? Is that external or um, investment coming into Africa or is it like homegrown talent? Or so a bit it's a mix. There is, uh, we ourselves as uh, in the philanthropy world, world and Impact investing provides some of that. We've seen European and American investors coming in big time as well. Um, uh, we've seen, and I really also uh, am very happy to report that now uh, the African Development Bank is running ADFI, which is an investment fund uh, with uh, help from uh, European uh, countries and union philanthropy uh, to foster this innovation as well. So I think the good news is that money to get these projects going is there. I think now the skills okay. is the issue. And I really urge people listening to us to get involved because Africa is the next innovation ground for payments and finance. How would you uh, go about doing that if you wanted to? Is that, like, is that external talent coming in to help or...? or well, Jack from Twitter, well, go like. there, <laughs> pack, pack your bags. 
Well, he Come says he's over. already there, so <laughs> let's see who he brings That's with one. him. That's one. I think, uh, and we had, um, uh, if people are interested by Mojaloop, on the Mojaloop.io site, we organize community events. Okay. The next one will be, I think, in Joburg uh, in January. That's an excellent way to come on over, get to know the platform side, yeah. and to connect also to the broader fintech community. Okay. So, so yeah, there are many ways uh, to get involved, but it will require getting feet wet, feet on the ground. Yeah, absolutely, and then and then upskilling them with the local knowledge, as yes. you said. Yes, I and there is emerging knowledge as well in Africa. So this collaboration is great. We can see it happening. Fantastic. And then the sort of other piece of the puzzle is the existing government on the ground in, the, in these countries. What role yes. do they have to play in the acceleration of adoption of digital so payments? This is really interesting. Um, so now we can see another deep movement being happening at the moment on the government side. Okay. Uh, we see the shift from the focus on financial inclusion mm -hmm. to uh, more of this digital economy uh, okay. concept. And so the countries in Africa, and I always say our motto for uh, my strategy at the Gates Foundation is um, everyone benefits from an economy that includes everyone. That really means that the beyond financial inclusion, the governments are now seeing an efficiency play in digitization of government payments, of uh, taxation. So this is for everybody, not just is, getting people into the system, exactly. but improving the system as a whole. It, it's it's digitize, digitizing the country as a whole. Okay. And we saw, saw that movement in India, actually, that was very focused on financial inclusion, mm -hmm. but now it's really becoming like a digital country economy and and i think that's great because that's leapfrogging again yeah yeah that's becoming a theme <laughs> yes and so it's great to see governments focusing on this not neglecting financial inclusion but also seeing the bigger picture of what an, an economy of 1.7 new customers yeah is doing to the world economy. Are there any particular countries you want to highlight that are doing that? I would Africa? highlight, you know, perhaps, and you know, it's kind of unfair, but if, if you really look at Rwanda, Ethiopia, Kenya, Tanzania, to, to Nigeria, they all have Southern Africa. So all of them have a flavor of this thinking in one way, shape, or the other. But we can see this acceleration yeah. towards digital. Amazing. So what? that's obviously super positive. What are the, the challenges on the flip side, yeah. uh, either with governments or the general consumer mistrust, maybe, of, yes. of governments and financial institutions? So there are lots of barriers. Um, financial education is one, uh, because bringing uh, newcomers to the economy comes with their own challenges, how they can actually benefit from this. So yeah. there, there is, a, I think, a big effort to be made by the private sector providers. Yeah. 
I think another, another barrier that is fortunately on the way down, not gone, but on the way down, is this fierce competitiveness of new providers. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it was like um, uh, everyone comes up with a new digital payment solution and theirs is the best. And they create silos. Yeah. And by doing that, they actually fragment the market. We see now, and we, our, our message really is there has got to be collaboration on the basic rails so that competition can better happen on top of the rails. And we can see positive movement. I mentioned uh, this joint venture between mm -hmm. Orange and MTN to interconnect their operations. That really shows yeah. how the example. thinking is evolving. And I think that's great uh, because it, there will be need for collaboration on these rails if we want to have a pan-African, you know, digital payment system ultimately. And is mobile still the best way to get most people oh, yes. on those rails yes. in the first yes. place? Yeah. Mobile, mobile is perhaps the only way to do that if we want to have the full population on, yes. And as to the financial education piece, uh, you said that was something for the, the private sector. Yes. How does the Gates Foundation help with that? So we, um, uh, thank, actually thank, me, thank you for the opportunity to explain a little bit how we work. Uh, um, Please do. Be, beyond, uh, beyond the actual grants, which is philanthropic capital, which we provide to typically at the early stage of these financial inclusion projects to de-risk it for the private sector. And we don't expect return on investment. We actually expect the project, we hope that the project will scale. Okay. Beyond that, uh, we provide a lot of expertise in the form of uh, uh, informing people what happens in other countries. We have the privilege to know what happens also in Pakistan when we have a huge project going on of the same nature. So we can exchange, serve as an information exchange so that people, when they are facing issues, they can ask us, how did others do this? And we are neutral, they, are, they trust us with this information. We provide expertise. Uh, I got hired by the Gates Foundation from SWIFT where I was chief architect, because there, there is a need to actually provide expertise also about some of these advanced topics in payment platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have that, and we can either have it internally or we can bring it from our partners. Um, and uh, also uh, gathering people together to exchange information is something we do a lot. So all of these apply. Mm -hmm. uh, and going back to your question, then uh, we, we, we are capable of advising in various ways a, a mobile money provider about how to talk about, how to think about gender uh, equality, which is a huge focus of ours too. I mentioned 425 million African adults are unbanked, 60% are women. Okay. So there is a big gender gap. 
Do we know why that is? So, Do we know why that is? Cultural, there are lots of yeah. cultural, uh, demographic, there are lots of reasons for that. And we provide advice on how to go about providing gender focused products, how mm -hmm. to provide uh, products that are financially easy, that are easy to use. Yeah. And so, and the providers can take it up or not. It's okay. really up to them, yes. So apologies if this is a slightly stupid question, but who are you advising? Are you advising individual companies that are developing their projects or are you advising like governments that are overlooking the entire puzzle? Uh, All of it. Everybody, okay. All of it. Yes, we work with governments, central banks, private sector banks, mm -hmm. private sector uh, mobile money providers, the fintechs, the startup world, everyone who has an interest and we always say all hands on deck for this. Absolutely. Yeah. And if they've come to you then everybody wants to learn to collaborate. Yes. To... Hopefully. Hopefully. That's the plan. <laughs> That's the plan. Um, so can you tell us, we mentioned Pakistan, but also uh, India, you've, you've launched uh, the Grand Challenge with the yes. National Payments Corporation. Can you tell us more about that and, and what the aims are there? So the Grand Challenge in India is on one specific angle. Um, India has been perhaps at the forefront of financial inclusion, not only with payments, with their UPI platform that is hugely successful, but also with the ID, digital ID system, the Adahar. Um, the one thing that uh, is required if we want to have full financial inclusion is to realize that not everyone has a smartphone. Ah, uh, yes. yes. <laughs> there is a lot of feature phones out there, and it's very important to keep track. Uh, yes, smartphones will eventually uh, be pervasive, but they are not yet. And so we really maintain focus on the poorest population who can't afford yet the smartphones. They have feature phones, you know, the bar phones that we used, and that's important to maintain focus. And that the challenge there is about that. So to create products and services to yeah. the kind of lowest spec of phone that everybody yes. can use. Can use, yes. Ah, fantastic. So. Is it a competition as it's a challenge? So it's a challenge. Uh, typically, we would uh, grant uh, small amounts of some, some to promising ideas that mm -hmm. come and then double down on these ideas that prove to be uh, impactful. Yes. Ah, so that's fantastic. typically how a challenge works. Yes. So this has launched. When do you think you'll start? seeing those kind of emerging products um, I, I'll get back to you. Uh, I don't know that information by heart, but oh, it's typically a challenge is uh, until for the first idea is typically six months. I'm yeah. not sure exactly in this case yeah. how much it is, but uh, I know from previous challenges we run. So this is not the first one? You've no, done no, several. no, no, no. We, had, we run one uh, three years ago focused a little bit on the merchant <laughs> experience with feature phones as well. Yes. Oh, wow. um, so you published a book in 2012, uh, The Castle and the Sandbox. How have you seen kind of fintech innovation developing since that came out uh, seven-ish yeah. years ago? <laughs> uh, so the book is uh, telling about the experience that we had at InnoTribe at Swift, which was, which we started 
the word the word fintech didn't exist in 2008 when we started InnoTribe. The notion of a sandbox, nobody knew what that was. Mm -hmm. So I think the 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 book tells about this experience of really generating innovation in the financial services, which InnoTribe was part of, and here we are today, FinTech Connect. Yep. Uh, An event specifically FinTech Insider for FinTech. podcast. Yep. Uh, I mean, the FCA runs a sandbox. It's great. So I think um, it was, a, it was, it just is an excellent experience of how you can move an industry. I think now all of these notions are kind of ingrained like yeah. business as usual and that's great so yeah that's, the next chapter true. is i think the leapfrogging that okay. we are talking about in africa so maybe one day i'll work oh, yeah about is that. there another book to come yes. I, I feel like there should be but yes to your point like uh, fintech is now an everyday yes. term uh, you know yes. this is a podcast specifically for that um but that's... i can tell you when we started this there was no word when did no, you first become aware of the word fintech, like in your personal career? So I actually, I think it was um, when we, you know, Tribe started collaborating with um, uh, Level 39. And I think that's, I think, I'm not sure now, but I think that was the first time like the fintech yeah. world's words started floating around. Maybe one of your, the listeners can correct me. It's, well, I think yeah. everyone's experience is, is, is sort of personal. When we were making yeah. the, the 11 Years documentary, we asked everyone, when did you first hear of yeah. the word fintech? Would, and a I lot of people say, had different yeah. answers of when yeah. they thought fintech became mainstream. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd say this, but yeah, probably, yeah. And sandboxes are now mainstream as well. Yes. Like the FCA have launched GFIN, so they're global sandbox, which yes. must play into your wheelhouse completely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm so pleased. I mean... Uh, I, I personally think, and you know, about obviously telling the story in the book that, and and we see this still today, uh, somewhat in the banking industry, where where you know, changing the direction of a tanker takes a long time. You can't do that if you don't manage for yourself some way to experiment first. And the sandboxes are hugely uh, powerful concept in that. I've seen it work over and over again. And I think by now, everyone should have some way to experiment in that, in that way, especially digital. Digital is like prone to sandboxes by, by construction almost, yeah. And then uh, on the on the flip side, we've talked a lot about how other how Africa can learn from uh, case studies around the world. Yes. How about the other way? So, how much can Europe and the US learn about uh, what the rest of the world is doing with adopting digital payments, mobile payments, etc.? So, I'm I'm happy to report on another deep trend which I'm observing. Uh, when I started the work uh, at the Gates Foundation, uh, we kind of inspired ourselves uh, on what became what we call level one project and Moja Loop, which is this concept of real-time retail payment platforms accessible from mobile phones. Okay. Uh, we got inspired by um, uh, faster payments in the UK, Interact, 
in Canada, uh, some other countries did, like Mexico, Jordan. Um, and uh, I can see today that this notion of real-time retail payments is becoming mainstream. We can see many projects. Australia went live last year, I think. Um, Pakistan will go live with our, with our help next year. Yeah. Tanzania. So you, it reminds me, you know, of RTGSs 15 years ago, who quickly became like the new way yeah. to settle, uh, you know, high value payments. Now we see real-time payment platforms emerging, not only to serve the poor, but like a pervasive class of uh, service that now everybody expects. Like, I'm sure everyone younger than 20 today expects the payments to happen like an SMS. Yeah, that's very, very true. Uh, my sister's 19. I'm, I'm convinced she's never received or written a check in her life. There so. you go. Perfect. Um, so before we wrap up, let's uh, quickly talk about you and the knowledge you've gained over your career. Um, you touched on it earlier, but you were obviously at Swift before uh, you came to the Gates Foundation. What would you say that you know today that you wish you'd known sort of five to ten years ago when you were still at Swift? Um, I, so I wish I knew that I came in somewhat naively at the Gates Foundation saying we, we, the, the, the technology will solve this problem. Technology is only part of the solution. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mentioned regulation, cooperation at the industry level, I think is something that I see more and more importantly mm -hmm. um, and that needs to be leveraged as well. So that's truly humbling and that you have to learn that just dropping technology on the ground will not solve the problem by itself, yeah. Do you think that's a learning for sort of everyone across financial services I more generally? So. For technology so. is not the only way. I would bet on that, yes. Fantastic. So is there anything in particular, perhaps that might be it, but maybe something else, that you wish people knew about developing countries and financial inclusion when they're looking to solve these problems? I wish, um, you know, um, for those who are interested, uh, they can look up my TED talk. Okay. Um, uh, on this subject, uh, we, and I started the TED talk by basically explaining that it is actually very expensive to be poor. Okay. Because you lose time, energy uh, to expend to not only fetch water, who may be two kilometers from your but also to go to the school to pay for the school fees. You, you walk mm -hmm. there and you have to walk to uh, receive uh, your salary. It's terrible. It's really terrible. And, and I think uh, part of the passion comes from the fact that we need to understand this and, and understand how to help. And we can help, yes. That's so. fantastic. So understanding how to help is the first step yes. on the way to how helping. How you make this impact, yes. 
Amazing. Costa, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find out more about you uh, and what you're doing with the, with the Gates Foundation? Uh, so uh, if uh, people Google financial services for the poor, mm -hmm. uh, that will point them to the page on the Gates Foundation uh, website, which explains some of the uh, uh, strategies and also partners okay. uh, to connect with. Uh, level1project.org website explains the methodology of how real-time payment platforms can help for financial inclusion. Mm -hmm. Mojaloop.io for the techies yep. that want to dive into the code. Fantastic. Lots of, and lots I'm on of Twitter. So What's your Twitter handle? Copernic. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. So many different things to check out there. Right. Um, and listeners at home, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a review. We love reading them. Uh, and pass the podcast along. If you know someone who loves fintech, who isn't listening to Fintech Insider, tell them about it. Um, and if you have any suggestions or feedback, please reach out to us on Twitter or any other social media platform. We're on all of them. Or email podcast at 11fs.com. Thank you very much. Goodbye.